Okay, so we're back. I want to move right into part two of me talking about freedom, independence, what that even is. We talked a little bit about what it means in this nation, the independence we've been given, the blessing and favor we've been given to be an independent people, free, right? Deemed free. God shed his grace on thee. And so I ended just posing some tough questions about what Jesus, I believe, would say about these matters, how he sees it, how he perceives our national strength and prowess. And I would say most people make a very dangerous comparison between biblical freedom in Jesus and national freedom. And it just grieves my heart that there are just these things that I believe are inconsistent with the scriptures about what what freedom in Christ Jesus even is. And we've somehow made that a national thing, so limiting. Really presuming that Jesus came as an American martyr and gave himself for a great patriotic cause. That's kind of my definition of how I believe and how I perceive Christian patriotism in America. And that's so limiting. It's so small. Because Jesus didn't do that. Oh, well, I know that. I know. Okay, then why do we really live that way? Why does this nation that's Christian, the Christian-y part, (laughs) professing believers, which are a vast number of people, then why do we act as if that's the case? And that this nation is somehow God's nation, His chosen nation. It's very strange, and I've never heard anybody really give me an appropriate answer. Because every discussion I've had on this topic with pro-American, pro-patriotism, Christian national promoters always seems to just instantly brand me and categorize me as a rebel. I'm ungrateful. I'm not thankful for where I live. I'm dishonoring for those who fought for my freedom. Friend, I can't convince you that that's not my heart. I can't. I'm incapable of just proving myself, and I don't need to. I don't need to prove that that's not true. Because as I referenced in in part one, like my family has a history of being in the military. Those who have given their lives, whether unto death or in service, I mean, my dad was away from my brother for years. I can't remember exactly how long he was gone at each time, but y'all, it was a long time. And I can't help but wonder like what that did in our family. What that set in motion. So I'm not dishonoring. I'm a very honoring person. I'm thankful for those who have gone before me. I'm thankful for the older generation. They have more wealth 
more of a wealth of knowledge and experience and advice and good things to glean from than we could ever extract out of them. I love talking with the older generation. I do. I love it. I respect them. I like it. I love them. (laughs) A man that became one of my closest friends for years was a Vietnam veteran. He saw battle like few people saw and survived. They made a movie about his helicopter battalion that went in. Um, We are soldiers, I believe. He was 18 and dropped into the trees of Vietnam. And he saw things that made me weep when he would tell me. Sometimes I would have to tell him to stop because this man was so broken and scarred and hurt by what he saw and by what he did with his very own hands that God had given him. I honored him. I didn't look down at him. I would never in a million years say, I can't believe you fought in battle, sir. I can't believe you did. You killed people. I can't believe. Do you know what the Bible says? No way. Are you kidding me? I would sit with him and pray. I would hold his hand when he would shake and weep. All because of what he did for his nation. But you know what he said in his latter years? You know what? This nation hasn't done much for me. I killed many innocent people, Joel. And every night I wake up thinking about that. I see faces, Joel. Of how men in the uniform that I was wearing, how they would torture people because something was just off in their thinking and something wasn't right. And you couldn't do anything about it. And oh, and I know, I know I can hear people already. I've had these conversations. Oh, you can't pull out isolated incidents, Joel, and just say military's bad, war's bad. You can't just pull out. <sighs> can we talk about one? Can we talk about one? Or do we want to turn away and pretend it doesn't happen in the name of God in this country? For God and country. What do we do with that? I have honor. I have respect. I'm getting ready to be a 46-year-old man. I'm not a child anymore. I'm not a rebellious 20-year-old who just wants his way. And I don't think that's right, so I'm going to make a sign and go to your parade and make sure I make a scene. My voice needs heard. No, that does nothing. Jesus rode on a donkey, y'all. He never hurt a human being. He healed people. He loved his enemies, including the very murderers that killed him. He begged forgiveness for all of mankind that ever lived. And most of all, he lived entirely under the yoke of service. 
his track record for victories in the natural was winless. When picking a king, he would probably be last on the list. We would look for the strongest, the best, the most self-confident, the most capable. Even now, people say, well, that's what we have now. No, we don't. Now we have a businessman. Now we have the best, richest, strongest, most victorious businessman in the White House who loves to display his power. He loves it, y'all. Jesus isn't interested. Because he would say, you know, okay, y'all want a parade? You want me to be the grand marshal of the parade tonight? Okay, here's my criteria. Take out the tanks, take out the guns, take out the soldiers. Take out the country song that talks about drinking a beer while you're reading your Bible. Take away First Baptist so-and-so because they're just marching to be relevant. They want to be integrated and be relevant people. They, we need to look like the people, y'all, so we're going to make a parade and we're just going to, we're going to blend in tonight. I don't want them there either. Oh, that speech that reminds everybody how strong this nation is, how we've won so many wars. We... Y'all have won so many wars. Yeah, I, 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 can't, I can't speak. I can't walk in a parade with that going on. So here's what it's going to look like. I'm going to ride in on the back of a baby donkey. And that's it. That's the parade, y'all. And if you want that, then I'll be there. Tell me what time. But all this other pomp, all this other arrogance and pride promoting yourself is awesome, unshakable, undefeatable. You know, I'm just not interested. You can do it. You have freedom here. <laughs> yeah. You have liberty here. You can do that. But it isn't going to please me. And that's not what I intended when I gave you freedom. And people really, they're not going to get excited. They're not going to look at me and ooh and ah like they will fireworks and clap. They're not going to get goosebumps like when the blue angels fly over their head. Oh, and their body shakes. Oh, oh, it's so exhilarating. No, it won't be that either. It's going to be quiet. I'm not going to say anything. It's just going to be me. And if that's enough, then I'll come. And let me ask you, how many people would show up for that? I mean the real biblical Jesus, y'all. Not like pep rally VBS Jesus. Oh, well, we'd all be there. We'd, we'd fill the vans and we'd be, oh, Jesus is here. I'm not talking about our understanding of churchy Jesus. Historical Jesus is in town, Jesus. I'm talking about like the real man. The God man, the offensive man, 
the calling you out man. The unless you do this man. And if you do that man. That Jesus. (laughs) And just to be clear, as if there's different options, that's the only one. There is no other that's true and right and real. There are plenty of fabricated ones. There are American Jesuses. American Jesus, he is wearing a red, white, and blue shirt with a bald eagle on his arm, a Bible in his hand. And talking about whatever you think he's supposed to be talking about in your head about how awesome America is. But I mean, I have a newsflash. That's not Jesus. That's not. It's not him. So let's start with some scriptures because these things are very important. Galatians chapter 5, verse 1. Paul's talking, obviously, to the Galatian church. And he says something quite applicable for today. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, keep, keep standing firm and do not subject, be subject again to a yoke of slavery. All right, I messed that up three times, so I'm going to start over. It was for freedom that Christ set us free. Therefore, because of that, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. Okay, so Paul makes it clear. He set us free. He's telling the people in, at the Galatian church they're free. Set free by Jesus the Christ. So because of that, stand firm. And because of that, don't be subject again to a yoke of slavery, which we're told in other places. It makes very clear uh, sense. You formerly were a, under a yoke of slavery. May that be clear. The Greek word for it was for freedom that Christ set us free is eleutheria in the Greek. True liberty, freedom. But here's the thing, y'all, and I'm just going to say that I don't know who gets this. True liberty and freedom, Greek eleutheria, is living as we should, not as we please. Well, wait a minute. I thought freedom was so that I can do as I please. Isn't that freedom? Have I been duped? (laughs) Perhaps. So here's what I believe is entirely lost in the overreaching misunderstanding of what we have been set free by Jesus the Christ unto. In my life, I've seen such, it's just this perplexing disconnect. In the, oh, I'm free, brother. You don't don't need to say that. I'm free. You don't don't understand, I guess. I'm, I'm free in Jesus. There's no condemnation in him for me. And I would say, yeah, and there's apparently little conviction of the Holy Spirit too. Divorce, 
unfaithfulness in marriage. Living in carnality, which is a big umbrella. Entertainment. Fleshly indulgences. There's no distinction. Why? Because, hey, we're free, right? (laughs) I'm free. Hello? Jesus set me free so that I can do as I please. Oh, well, wait a minute. Okay, so this phrase by Paul, two believers in Jesus said that you're only free to live as you should, but not as you please. Oh, I'm not sure I understood it that way, right? (laughs) I didn't know that's what that meant. And here's the real problem. This, This mindset, this approach, this belief is endorsed widely by the present day church. You don't have to be in a free will grace church where, hey, brother, willy-nilly, it's all grace. It's all freedom. Oh, boy, don't you let anybody put you under your thumb. You're you're in Jesus. You've been purchased, brother. Go be free. Hey, don't feel bad. Don't feel, I won't make you feel bad, brother. (laughs) I'm not, who am I to judge you? I'm not God. Y'all, really, what's our problem? Well, one of our problems is because if we do that, then they, then thereby they have the right to do it back to me. And oh gosh, I don't want that. Oh, I don't want that. If I call him out on drinking his fourth shot of Jack Daniels, he's going to tell me I shouldn't be drinking my third. So we don't say anything. We don't do anything. I'm free, brother. But isn't that the theme? Don't don't feel bad. I've talked about that before. This message that permeates everything. Don't feel bad. Oh my gosh, don't feel bad. Don't hurt. Don't feel like you did something wrong. Oh my gosh, did I hurt your feelings? Did I offend you? <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm a believer of Jesus. I'm a follower of Jesus. I'm supposed to make you feel better. I'm so sorry. Here, have... No, here, really. Have this drink. It's on me. I would hate for you to go home and feel convicted. (laughs) That's what we do. (laughs) Literally, can we not say that's what we do to one another as believers in Jesus? He's my brother. (laughs) He's my brother. I can't... I can't correct him, challenge him, teach him. I'm a wretched worm too. Yes, amen. Boy, that's true for sure. But it's not to the point to prohibit us from standing up for what is right. Biblically right. I mean, y'all really, I'm going to be like real transparent. I'm just going to throw this out there full dose. When my father-in-law left my mother-in-law, He was counseled by a pastor. And I was told firsthand that that pastor told him, you know what? It's okay. It's okay to have an affair. 
It's okay to marry that woman and divorce your wife. It's okay. You're such a good guy. You're such a godly man. It's okay. Man, God wants you free, brother. Oh boy, God wants you free. You shouldn't have to be under that bondage with that woman. You've been with her so long. Be free, brother. God wants you free. God wants you to feel better. And sadly, my father-in-law listened to that counsel. It confirmed what he already wanted, which is, tell me I'm free. Tell me I can do what I want, please. Isn't that what we all want deep down in us somewhere, whether it's on the surface or buried deep in the recesses of our heart and mind? Agree with me. Please tell me what I'm doing is okay, because I can't take it if you tell me I'm wrong. I can't take it if you tell me that I've been doing something wrong. You're not my judge, so be careful. And that's where we are. That's Christianity today, and I would say has been for a very long time. Because Paul talks about that. He talks like that. Don't misuse the grace you've been given, brothers. Don't use that as an excuse to sin tonight. May it never be so. Oh, God, may it never be so. Don't let these people squander their freedom, right? So anyone who has been set free, according to Galatians 5.1, given liberty, is set free to become as he, Jesus the Christ, is. He has not been set free to be as you want to be. In other words, Jesus has set us free so that now we don't just do as we please as free men. And I know that sounds really complex, but we have to get that. I'm going to elaborate. We are set free in Christ Jesus. If you are in fact in Him and you live through Him, you are hidden with Him. You have been set free. But you have been set free from yourself. From the dominion of darkness. The domain of darkness. You have been set free to become His possession and His servant. It's not a forfeiting it's an exchange. The pattern of the Word of God is exchange. Don't just stop sinning. Stop sinning and be conformed. Don't just stop being alive to sin. Become alive in Christ. Don't just be redeemed or repentant one day on a calendar 20 years ago. Today, be repentant. Continue a deeper level of repentance and turning. 
true freedom. It is about what we have been set free by Jesus unto. So we're set free from ourselves. We become His possession. We become, now see, here's a word, and I want to get into this here in a little bit, so I'm just going to throw it out there to kind of insert it at the very beginning. Is the word slave. Nobody likes the word slave. Understandably so. That's a tough word, isn't it? Isn't that a, just a hard word? A slave. Whew, nobody wants to be a slave, right? Why? Because you lose all liberty, all freedom to do as you want to do. A slave can't buy a house. A slave's not going to buy a new car. A slave's not going to do what he wants all day today. A slave's not going to say, which drink do I want on the coffee shop menu board? You know what a slave is doing? He's doing his master's business. We see that in parables. Man, don't let the, don't let the Lord of the house return, servant, and you're not ready waiting for him. That parable when the, when the master returns... I don't remember if it was in the middle of the night or early in the morning. I want to say it was around 3 a.m. And the servant is, boom, he's at the door. The master's home. I'm ready. I know he was coming. I'm ready. I'm here presenting myself alert, awake, sober. My lamps are full. I will serve my master. Oh, yep, that's my master on the door. I'm here. Lord, I'm here. I knew you were coming. I've been waiting. I've been a watchman. I'm here to serve you. What, what can I do for you, Lord of my life? I am your servant. I am your slave. But this can only be done after we're made free to become enslaved to His will. Willing servants of God. But we don't see it rightly. We don't see it like that. We think we've been set free. To ju- that, that us being set free is the culmination. We live as though, I think if Paul were speaking right now in this barn instead of me, he would articulate better than I think I can, which is, You have been set free, brother. But that's not the culmination of the point. The goal of Jesus Christ redeeming you was not to make you free. It's not the end all of the purposes of why Jesus came. He came to set you free from yourself so that you can be empowered to be as He is, enslaved to Him.
The yoke of slavery was translated from a word that tells us that before we were set free, this slave was entangled, ensnared. We were held captive by it. A yoke of slavery. Paul goes on to tell the Galatian church in the same chapter, the same discourse, he's talking, he's penning a letter, whatever, however it got there exactly. He says, quote, To not use your freedom as opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve, serve one another. And so I could really stop on how we are made free, we are given liberty to rightly subject ourselves enslaved to Jesus the Christ in a in, in debt that indebted to him that something we could never pay or work back. We choose to say, you have done so much for me, God. I give myself to you. I literally give myself to you in its entirety because you move me from death to life. I choose to be your slave. Willing. Willing. This serve here, this is interesting, and this is what I meant by what I was just saying. We could stop with just serving Jesus. And Okay, so that's like the progression. Most people receive the freedom. They're set free. I can't prove this doctrinally. I can't say like this is, the, this is a doctrinal explanation of salvation and regeneration and sanctification. I'm not smart enough to do that. That's not how I operate. My point isn't to extract the scriptures in such a manner to show them like historical consistency and patterns of doctrine. I'm not. That's not my thing. But what I do understand is the unto patterns of God. So we could say, yes, you were set free. And a lot of people would would and continue to stay there. I'm free in Jesus, brother. I'm not condemned anymore. I'm free. It's not about anything I do or anything I don't do. I'm free. It doesn't matter. I'm free. And then there are those who would move into the arena I just shared, which is, okay, I get it. I'm indebted to Jesus the Christ. He purchased me with his blood. I am his possession. Yes, I get that. Amen. That's greater. That's further maturity. That's further revelation of why you were purchased. To return what you were purchased for, embracing what you were, what you were um, set free and given liberty for. That's greater. Yes. But the third, I would say, is what I want to get to the next part because I'm already running out of time again. And I don't want these to go too long. So we'll get to that in part three. Why were we set free? Why? Unto what? It is for freedom you were set free. You were set free from one yoke to take on another. And that's what we're going to tackle in the next part.
Amen.